to the root box, shake your root box, to the root box, shake your Welcome back to season two of Flop Stars. In case you're new here, Flop Stars is the podcast where we look at projects by our favorite pop stars that underperformed on the charts but found a home with a cult group of fans. I'm Sam Murphy, the editor of The Interns, and I'm joined, as always, by Project U's Nick Kelly to delve into misunderstood projects. This week, we're taking on a curveball with Robbie Williams' Rootbox. The 2006 album is one of the most outrageous albums you'll hear by a pop star at the peak of his powers. The inventive electronic album was an outlandish, surreal, and often absurd collection of songs that divided his core fan group. To this day, people still go into fight for Rudebox, while others have erased its very existence. All right. Hello, Nick. How are you? <laughs> hello, Sam. Hello, Maggie in the background, I presume, as well. Uh, yeah, she's going off straight away. <laughs> of course, as soon as we hit record. She I'm already flop stars. Because I know where this episode is going to go. Wow. So, um, this is going to be a messy quite, start. Quite a show. Um, big thank you to uh, my friend Lockie, who suggested that we do um, this one. I think it was Lockie that suggested it. Um, but oh, it's be- I never remember. So it's no, yeah, I'm fairly sure it was in a conversation with Lockie that I thought about it. I don't know whether he said you should do it for Flop Stars or I just internally thought that. But this is going to be very fun. Even from the title of the album, you can tell this is going to be chaos. Rude box. <laughs> Shake your rude box. Shake your rude box. <laughs> do the rude box. <laughs> do we even know what, what the rude box was? When you first suggested it, I was like, do I want to? go into like do i want to spend the time with this um and then you know what i'm glad i'm glad we're doing it yeah bit of fun for better or worse it is a bit of fun silly silly little album (laughs) yeah because i feel like this season's been quite all quite profound albums Mm. um so we needed a, a moment like this to lighten the mood a little bit and no doubt we'll go the opposite way and make this one in very serious. <laughs> where do, I mean, where do we start with an album like this and a person like this and where he was at this time? Because Robbie had been in the public zeitgeist in 2006 for at least a decade, um, if not more. Yeah, we, we'd take easily. that, his band that he had left around a decade before Rudebox came out. Um, and he'd had some incredible success with the albums that he'd put out previously. Um, he'd had... Uh, he'd had a couple of really, really big records and then he put out his first greatest hits album before this. Um, oh, which, shit, that was already out. It was already wow. out, which I remember I remember having that. My mum had that album um, when I was like very, it very was formative massive. days. For, I, I remember, yeah, I remember it too and it was like you would have Abba Gold, you would have like the Kylie Showgirl record yes. and then you would have the Robbie Greatest Hits. Like they were the essentials. Exactly. And Robbie had gone through a lot of reinvention. He was around 31, 32 at the time that this album came out. Was he really? He was, because he, he's been around for a long time and he... he, ha- he God, he must be 100 now. He talks about, I think he's 47, 48, he's not even, he's not even 50 yet, which is crazy to think. Um, he joined Take That when he was 16 he got the call up to join the band 
and by 22 the band was over and he was smashing the the coke and drinking heaps <laughs> very unhappy with the creative direction around 2021 he wanted to go in more of a sort of he wanted to try those hip-hop sounds that he was enjoying at the time um whereas gary yeah. barlow and the rest of the band wanted to continue down the ballad train that was obviously working for them um but robbie yeah. was ready to have a bit of fun which he eventually ended up having um he was a hugely successful solo artist that greatest hits album was the fa- is the remains the fastest selling greatest hits album in uk history um and he broke a box wow. office record with the tour that came with it three consecutive nights to 120,000 people a night so he was a couple of wow. years before the brood box a superstar you know what's funny um from my research on this album this came out the same year that take that launched kind of a comeback um, and they had a song that was quite big in the UK. I don't think it was ever big in Australia called Patience. And it was it was like side by side with Rude Box. It's just so funny to consider that Robbie could have been singing Patience or he could have been <laughs> or he, in the world that he created for himself. It's so wild. Exactly. And it, to your point too, that he was doing these gigantic tours and... These were the days where you would um, release the song to radio before you would release it to the general public. And he was performing Rude Box in an arena tour and apparently was not getting an overly positive response. As you can imagine, the kind of audience that would have been there would be. But I imagine my mum probably would have enjoyed a Robbie concert back then. Not so sure she would have been a fan of Rude Box. Actually, I should call her and play it for her and see if she remembers it. <laughs> She'd probably be like, I love this rap record. This is a great rap record. This is incredible hip hop music. It's it's very it's very interesting that he went into that sort of rap sound that he wanted to do. And you know, he he did it gradually. He jumped in, you know, as a solo artist with with tracks like Angels and with um with Rock DJ, um, and with Kids, yeah. with Kylie, which was sort of more rock or main records. And then he sort of gradually yeah. brought in those rappy elements, you know, definitely had a bit of fun um, on Kids and, and Rock DJ with that sort of rap, you know, spoken word thing that he does really well. Yeah. Um, that we see a it's lot of. It's certainly not the rap the vibe that's shocking on this album, I don't No, I, I think he's really good in that sort of, that, that tone. The one thing that stood out to me on this album is just how fucking good his voice is. <laughs> He's a really good singer. He's a re- I thought I thought the opposite. Really? So I think he sounds good when he's kind of doing his spoken word thing. But other than that, I think Robbie Williams has got a shocking voice. Oh my God, no. I think he's got <laughs> such personality and warmth to it. It does have personality. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just not. You know what? It does sound better on this album than it usually does. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And particularly yeah. thinking about the stuff he's put out more recently, a la Party Like a Russian and Bad Sharon. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, that <laughs> Next week's Flop Stars album. Christ, we could do an entire but, series know, of Robbie Flop Stars. You know what? I just want to say to that to the voice thing. I don't think it's bad. I, I don't think it's strong. I don't think it's bad. Um but it's not strong. Like you're not going to listen to Robbie for the voice. He's not an Adele record. You listen to it for the personality and the charisma, I think. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And that comes through quite heavily on this album. I'm having trouble d- 
deciding whether to, where to even start t- yeah. talking about this record. I think because it was good to give a it's bit about of context. Seventeen but, tracks wow. long. There's so much it's, going um, on. Yeah, it goes for about what an hour and seven minutes or something like that. It goes through everything from like Brit pop to house to rap to there's a little um Lily Allen featuring jazz moment on there. There's a point where the album just takes a turn and it's entirely Mark Ronson produced tracks around the time that he did um Back to Black and Lily Allen's All Right Still. And then from there he goes into some kind of like freeform rap about the eighties and the nineties and then it's it's just wild that <laughs> And I I really don't know which pocket of that we want to dive into. Well, we could start start at the lead single. We could start at the lead single, or we could start with Bongo Bong and Jenna 10 Plus, um, (laughs) which is the fourth song on the album, which is a real, real, it's quite something. Um, But no, let's start at the lead single. Let's start at Rude Box, because that definitely brings together the bizarreness and the bonkersness of it. Objectively, do you think it's a good song? Yeah, I'm a fan. Are you? Yeah. 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 It- I like the vibe of it. And it's so daring um, for somebody to take a risk like that when they were basically like an arena mainstay and almost like verging into adult contemporary radio territory. And then to come through with something that you, regardless of whether you followed Robbie Williams or not, you were going to hear about Rude Box because it was so ridiculous. But it's not ridiculous in that it's just there for a publicity stunt. I think it's a genuinely like interesting song and quite a visionary pop song in a way and, and something that never really gets discussed very often because people wrote it off. But it's a it's, production-wise, it's phenomenal, Absolutely. in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely stands up in terms of breaking the mould. And I think around that time, there weren't too many huge pop stars breaking the mould. Um, there was yeah. there were folks... There was a couple of sort of left-of-centre ones, which I think we'll get to in a sec when we talk about some of the, the great Britpop of 2006. But the, he definitely was breaking the mould in terms of being one of those top-tier artists that was trying something completely undone before by someone at yeah. his level. And... The song definitely sticks with you. It's definitely been popping up in my head at the most inappropriate of times in the last two to three days since I listened to this album in full. It's definitely the one you go back to and it's it's a bit of an anthem. It's a little bit, uh, how, how, would, how would you say, problematic uh, at a couple of a couple of moments. Is it really? Uh, where was I? Well, I haven't even thought of the lyrics. Oh, so the, um, the, there's, there's one particular lyric. I wrote it down the other day and I can't find it. Um, but it, it's something along uh, the lines of shake your rude box um, like you just won at the Special Olympics, which I don't think stands up. Yeah, no, not great. In, two, not in 2020, line. I don't even think it probably should have stood up in 2006. And there's a couple of moments no. like that that go go from cheeky to just plain shit house. Um, yeah, that's that's a bad line. bad line but from Robbie. He obviously got away with it because that's not what people were talking. No, about. No, exactly. Were... Also, I I do. What were they talking about though? Like, what was I? I'm lost for words as to where you um, <laughs> describe what the experience of listening to this song for the first time. It is. felt tongue in cheek. It felt almost like a piss take of everyone doing like shake your bonbon kind of anthems around the time a la ricky martin oh yeah it yeah it, it's got all those random references to you know things in popular culture um 
Yeah, I, I don't really know what it aims to do except for have a bit of fun and poke a bit of fun at the seriousness of music and pop culture around him at the time. Just think about the point he was at at his career again. Just think of how big he was, particularly in Australia and the UK, and think about doing that. Can you imagine if Adele just turned around now and made a record like that? Yeah. I mean, by the looks of it, she's about to give us a um, Jamaican the dance. The dreadlocks or anything so to go by. Be, we might not be far <laughs> off. But... No, it's, it's such but a... But that's the magnitude of somebody t- taking a risk like this. It is. It's almost like if Michael Bublé, to go with another male comparison, it's almost like <laughs> oh, if Bublé came out with some rompy sex f- fest that, f- <sighs> like, yeah, you can't imagine it. You can't imagine it. And I, you have to admire him for doing this and, you know, being 15 years essentially into his career and then taking a complete left turn and just deciding I really don't give a shit about this commercial success. I'm just going to make an album yeah. that speaks to the frivolity that I'm known for and speaks to the, the wild times that I'm known for and being a bit of a party boy, I think. Um, and at the time, this was really that sort of peak of UK tabloid uh, pop culture as well. This is when those yeah. um, those those publications totally. like The Sun and the News of the Day were just making up stories about anything and anyone just to have a great story to run on the front well, page. Well, th- they were basically killing people like him, like when you think of what they were doing at Amy Winehouse yeah. and they were on Robbie's train in the same way as well and obviously he fought addiction and stuff like that. So I guess he went a different way where he didn't let it get to him. He was like, well, I'm going to take a hard turn left and do something so bonkers that it's going to piss you off because you just didn't see it coming at all. 100%. And it worked. It pissed a lot of people yeah. off. Yeah. Really pissed a lot of people off. There's, there's a lot of unkind things written about Rubox on the internet. But I guess the reason why it sits in a podcast like this is because there's also a lot of kind things written about it. And we were just saying before the podcast that when I looked up anything that was Robbie Williams' interview... Everybody still brings it up. It's still remembered whether you want to call it a flop or not. And I think that's because there's, when you consider it objectively and you don't think about who Robbie Williams the person was at the time and who he was annoying and what he was doing, there are some real golden moments in this album. And despite having to really wade through them at an hour and 10 minutes long, I did find more than enough that I liked yeah. in this album. And I think you've got to give credit to a number of things, including the collaborator list. It was a superstar cast. Oh, it's incredible. Any 2020 album would dream of having the Pet Shop Boys on two songs, including a song yeah. called Pet Shop Boys that is a parody about the Pet Shop Boys featuring the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> So mad. Admirable. <laughs> Two songs with Lily Allen on them, uncredited. Yeah. Um, Mark Ronson yeah. doing a whole bunch of production. William Orbit. Um, just a, a phenomenal cast list on this album that really allowed it to the be The drummer from Duran Duran was a producer. Really? Of a lot of it. Yeah, and including their album. I think they kind of hit their partnership off on the album before, which was, um, what was it called? It, it was called a, uh, Escape Advertising Space Intensive Care sin, sin, sin on it. Okay. okay Where were we? <laughs> I don't know where we were We're having a shit day of internet connections And all we <laughs> want to do is chat bloody rude box Shake your rude box I, You know what the rude box actually is? I reckon it's our modems They are rude boxes <laughs> 
<laughs> I actually... Did you look up what Rubox actually meant? No. Because I did and I was, I'm was i still left with no fucking clue. <laughs> it said... Um, so when I looked it up, it said, In the song, Williams makes several cultural references, including Adidas, TK Maxx, Michael Jackson, Durex condoms, The Matrix, and Mandrex. Williams was quoted in September 2006 as saying that for a box to be rude, the rude must be in a different box. And that took me a long time to realise. That makes no... For a box... That gives me nothing. To be rude, the rude must be in a different box. So hang on. I've got two boxes here. (laughs) And I've got to get the... The rude's in this one. The rude's definitely in the Google Mini box. And I'm going to put it in this different box. Yeah. Look at you figuring that out in your 20s. It took him until 31 to realise <laughs> what box the rude was in. I moved the rude, but I don't have a, I don't have a 75-minute album to go through now, unfortunately. The album to me feels like it's almost like postmodern. Like it's surrealist in some... I know surrealist yeah. and postmodern is not the same thing, but it's like a little bit of both and it it even comes down to the fact there's like there's almost four cover or maybe even five covers on this album and i didn't realize because i always thought love light was quite a top tier pop song i didn't realize that was a cover neither did i and now i'm sad because i think that's the best song on the album so it's from <laughs> some like obscure album from like the early 2000s i think from uh, somebody I didn't notice, someone's going to yell at me who listens to this podcast, probably for not knowing who the hell this guy was. It's not a cover of Abba's Love Light, is it? Oh, no. No, it's, no, um, not Abba. Lewis Taylor. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. No. And it's very like, it's a very minimal take on it. And Robbie's kind of beefed it up and turned it into a real pop song. But that, that is like Robbie. by far to me the best song on the album. Yeah, no, I'm 100% on board with that as well. Um, I, th- I think it's interesting to note the critical reviews. I was expecting a complete barrage on him, but it actually wasn't yeah. as brutal as I thought it was going to be. Um, NME called it the best thing he's ever put his name to and an amazing pop album. And a site called Pop Matters called it an astounding, brave release. which wow. is. And I read today that even Vice was doing a justice for rude box type thing, which... I love this. I'm surprised it wasn't like, I took heroin for seven weeks and listened exclusively (laughs) to Robbie Williams' rude box. Here's what I found. Probably quite a profound experience, actually. I imagine that's what Robbie did in the lead up to rude box. What a dream. (laughs) You know what? I had had a strange dream last night that I was at a shopping centre and everyone was doing heroin. Like everyone in the shopping center was shooting up heroin. Why do I have these dreams? I was going to make a ever seen anyone shoot about heroin. Where, where you were, but I'm, I'm going to... No, it's very up. fair. It's very That's classist. extremely gospel. <laughs> extremely gospel. Um, on the contrary to those nice reviews, The Guardian gave it two stars and called it music that any other star of William's statue would be terrified at the general public hearing, which I thought was very good. Well, that's um, kind of true it, in a sense, I would say. Yeah, exactly. And like, you've got to admire his bravery of putting that stuff out and reinventing his image. Now, in terms of its chart position, it did debut at number one, sold over 147,000 copies in its week of release, but then it plummeted and it didn't sell very well at all. And it actually was overtaken by Take That's new album in terms of sales. So that makes that's sense. A, 
Yeah, it well, does make like sense. An album like this was, is never going to really do that well, is it? It's it's not like he was considering that. But I think he also took the flop quite hard. Like, I don't think he was expecting it in a way, which is bizarre to me because you've got to have an ego the size of anything if you think this album is going to kind of like do it got exceptionally well commercially. Well, it's not a commercial album by any sense. No, the fallout from the album led to the firing of two A&R executives responsible for the album's development at his record label, if there's any. <laughs> this just makes me love it more. Oh, absolutely. Like, it was so brave, it literally killed careers. There is a and great album inside this, though. Uh, yeah. If you sliced off just a few tracks, there is a great album. And it didn't have to be as weird as it was. Like, I think they could have done without the 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 cover of whatever that song was banana jama monkey something bongo bong bongo bongo some, yeah could have done without that words. one um and could have done without a few of the moments in the middle and probably the where the pet shop boys cover could have gone as well <laughs> but maybe that's part that was part of the absurdity of it and he just kind absolutely of agree bought into that because i went into this thinking that this was robbie's dance record but there were moments where it's not very dancey. It's like jazzy and no. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely all over the place. And Just brilliant plain bonkers. Should we play a game to kind of try and um center ourselves? I'm. <laughs> Yeah. I just keep laughing every time I try Give to make a point some about con- this album because I don't know what what it was trying to do or where, where, what context it sits in. I'm still thinking about you earlier on talking about this, like when you were just giving a glowing review of it. I can't remember the exact words you used, but you're <laughs> just watching you on your glowing tangent about this album was just a beautiful moment to watch. <laughs> like it's groundbreaking. I do. It is groundbreaking and I do have like a strange affection towards it, but at the same time I like realise how absurd it is. Yeah. Um, and how it's maybe not typically a good album, I don't think. But I find def- Robbie so fucking likable as well. Yeah, he's, he's just a very likable pop star. He flirts between being very likable and just completely over the top on this and very on the nose. And I think if you already didn't like Robbie Williams, this album was not going to change your mind. Yeah. It's it's for the hardcore fans and those that were trying to be contrarians as well, I think, this album. But I think if you're going to do a wild experiment of like this you're always going to miss half the time. And I think he does miss half the time on this album. But the upside of that is he provides some great moments, which we'll talk about Well, we'll talk about during this game, actually. I look forward to it. What are we doing? So we're going to look at what Britpop was doing during this time. It was having a quite a good year, actually. Quite a big, few big hits. So we're going to put up a song from Rudebox up against a big song from Britain that year, um, which slightly unfair experiment maybe for Robbie because he's got to compete against <laughs> some giants here, but um, good luck and Godspeed. Good luck, Robbie. <laughs> we believe so in you. The first team up is um, the lead single from Rudebox. To Rude the Rudebox, shake your Rudebox. To the Rudebox, shake your Versus <laughs> Scissor Sisters' I Don't Feel Like Dancing, which was kind of their huge commercial breakthrough. Absolutely, and an anthem in gay canon forever. So, 
This is a very difficult one because the, we've already talked about our, our love of the song Rude Box and its redeeming qualities and yeah. the fact it just sort of broke him out and really set the tone for what was going to be a random album. Yeah. Um, remember when we used to use the word random constantly in that sort of time? That's so random. <laughs> so random. This Your bins is are literally so random. so random. <laughs> it's so random. Um, I really want to be affectionate to Rude Box versus I Don't Feel Like Dancing, but like, I don't know. It's a perfect you pop song, be a I Don't good Feel guy. Like Dancing. It's a, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> you know, the guitars in it, the beautiful, that piano just gets you going straight away. Um, I saw Jake Shears perform it with Robbie's uh, longtime collaborator, Kylie Minogue, um, late last oh, year of in the Hunter Valley after a connection. couple of vinos. Um, <laughs> and just, oh, it's just a magic party song. Like, nothing can be bad when that song is on. It's so, so good. I'm going to go Scissor Sisters for that. And you know what? I feel like both these songs play homage to a certain period of Britpop. Um, and obviously, I Don't Feel Like Dancing owes a lot to Elton John. Yeah. And um, the whole of the Rude Box album owes a lot to Pet Shop Boys and that kind of electro-pop, even like Depeche Mode, that kind of stuff comes in. Wait, maybe yeah. not Depeche Maybe that's the wrong one. Who sings the song that's like, all I ever wanted, all I ever needed? Or like Human League, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, well, exactly. That 80s synth-y... 80s synth pop, which I'm really out of my depth talking about, clearly. But that's the kind (laughs) of period that that Robbie was erring to. And obviously, I don't feel like dancing errs very heavily to Elton. So it's in a way, it's kind of hard to judge these. I mean... I don't feel like dancing is clearly the better song from a traditional standpoint, but you've also got to respect that. I don't think I don't feel like dancing is an overly daring song versus Rude Box, which is incredibly daring. So um, I'm just going to give a vote to Rude Box because I really like it. And I respect you for that. (laughs) I respect you. I'm not mad. I'm not mad about you doing that. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate the, the support at this time. (laughs) <laughs> What's the next pair up? The next pair up is um, the aforementioned love line. What am I supposed to do to keep from going under? Versus Rogue Traders Voodoo Charm, which is not exclusively British because it featured the vocal talents of Natalie Bassingthwaite, but a lot of the band is British. James Ash is a Brit. There you go. It's also got a new song out, you'll be pleased to know. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> All right, steady on. Give him a chance to compete against Robbie before you start. Love Light him. is my favourite song on the Robbie album, as we've discussed. Um, I think it's just such a glistening moment on the, on the, on the record. I think Robbie's voice sounds beautiful on it. Um, yeah. As we've discussed, it is a cover, so I want to take points away for that. However, it is a reimagination not just a straight cover. So there is a lot of respect for that. And, it, you yeah. know, it's not it's not like he wrote everything exclusively himself on the and album. And Robbie's anyway. a covers, covers king anyway. Yeah. Very partial yeah, exactly. to a cover. Absolutely. Bad Sharon, originally by the Beatles, now done by Robbie Wilkins, <laughs> for example. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of bad Sharons who like a bit of Robbie out there. Oh, shit, Yeah. <laughs> Call bad, call bad Sharon from the office. Um, 
Okay, back to the topic at hand. Love Light vs. Rug Traders Voodoo Child. I remember Voodoo Child was like uh, very early me listening to the radio and loving pop music days. I would have been 11. I remember yeah. it was the song they played at halftime at the uh, soccer matches for the Central Coast Mariners soccer team. Um, yeah. For about seven, seven years, it was probably the halftime music because they only change it every seven to ten years at that stadium. Um, I digress. Voodoo Child is great. Love Light is the strongest on the album. I think it's Robbie sounding really divine, so I'm going to give a vote to Love Light here. Yeah, makes sense. Voodoo Child was a real moment, though, in like Australian music history, wasn't it? Like, when that beat hits. Oh. Yeah, and it's such a grating song to listen to now, I think. But I remember being like maybe in one of my final years of primary school and they used to throw this fake... Um, down at the local oval and I was on the this kind of like swing you know that ride where the ch- the chairs kind of swing around in the air mm. and they started playing voodoo child and I just thought like could, life could literally not get any better <laughs> right now and then um someone burnt the park down about the week a week later and I was like I oh was my right. god couldn't get better <laughs> in that moment everything was perfect <laughs> voodoo child cursed the park Curse the French's Forest Showground. <laughs> anyway, that's completely unnecessary context for me to make no, a decision that Love Light like is definitely like my choice in this. I really like it. Like, it's right up there for me with some of the the really great pop songs of the last 10, 20 years. Wow. That's a big call from you. You know what it reminds me of too? I kept thinking of the 1975 when I was hearing it. And, um, yes. And I don't want your body, but I need to think. I need to think your body Sorry, I won't make singing else. on the podcast. <laughs> a regular thing. <laughs> Every time I have to listen to this back and edit it, I'm like, oh God, why'd I do that? Oh, no. Why'd I do that? <laughs> no, I, I agree. I don't know if it's, I, I wouldn't maybe put it up there in sort of pop music canon of the millennium, but it's definitely good. Definitely yeah, maybe strong. I'm feeling pretty optimistic towards I like that today, though. but I like we'll that. go with it. He's provided yeah, me absolutely. a lot of comic relief today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the third pairing is She's Madonna, which was uh, featured the Pet Shop Boys, versus Corinne Bailey Ray's Put Your Records On. Oh, a song that is getting a second wind right now thanks to the work of the great Rit Momney. I repeat, Rit Momney. You're very liberal with your use of the word the great. The great. The great man. Rit Momney. Um, (laughs) There's a beautiful TikTok cover that the radio is starting to play. Speaking of pop cannon. Of it. Oh, speaking of pop cannon. Yeah. Rit Rit Momney. Romney's right (laughs) up there. Rit Momney. Such a silly name as well. But you can um, understand when songs like that um, start to take off again because they're just naturally so infectious. Like, whatever yeah. you think of Put Your Records On, like, Karim Bailey Ray never really had another huge hit after that, but I've never forgotten what the song sounds like. Exactly. Everyone knows that song. Even if you don't remember it from the the name Karim Bailey Ray. Everyone knows Put Your Records On. Um, so I feel mm-hmm. like it's just because it's back in my head at the moment because of that huge cover that's going around, which is a very good cover, by the way. Um, it makes me feel the same way I felt first time I heard Fireflies by Owl City. It's like the same, like, <laughs> big, beautiful, you know, silly little yeah. gl- glitchy pop moment. Um, yeah. 
But I think the original was also just as strong. She's Madonna. Feels like it could have been like the Pet Shop Boys song, the the one about the Pet Shop Boys, like an ode to Madonna. Yeah. And basically it just says a whole bunch of names and eras of Madonna. Um, yeah, I don't think it stands up for me. So I'm going to go with Put Your Records On. Wow. I, mm. She's Madonna is another great one for me. It's like such a glistening, really? like um, intergalactic pop song. And I really like... Intergalactic. I think the Pet Shop Boys vibe actually suits Robbie very well. I'm surprised he's never really um, explored it again. I suppose it's much easier to do that kind of arena rock vibe when you've got the kind of fan base you do. But he's he's really good in that electro pop sphere. I feel like the Pet Shop Boys sound applies itself really well to anyone with personality. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because again, Pet Shop Boys, you would not put them on a list of the greatest singers of our time. They're not overly great singers, but they're great songwriters and they've got great personality and it's not easy yep. to exude that kind of personality through the speakers when it's not a visual thing. So, yeah, you're right Absolutely. in that sense with Robbie, definitely. But how can you deny? I think, yeah, Put Your Records On is such a great song. Got to go yep. with that. Very, very good. And what is our final Battle. The final the one is Kiss Me off Rude Box, which was apparently a single off Rude Box, not that you know. Versus Girls Aloud, something kind of ooh, which if you'll oh. remember, Girls Aloud reunited that year for a cheeky little Greatest Hits compilation, which I imagine did not sell as much as Robbie's Greatest Hits compilation, though it probably <laughs> should have. <laughs> Oh, it is a look. I think Girls Aloud's that's not one of Girls Aloud's best songs. It's good. No, it's not. But I don't think it's one of their most iconic. Yeah, it's a very fair reason to choose something kind of ooh. Um, Whereas Kiss Me is one of my favourites on the album. It's probably second to Love Light. I love it. I think it's a really cool dance pop moment. And just what we were talking about him sitting in that disco pop kind of lane really works for him. So this one's an easy one for me. It's got to be Kiss Me. Okay. All right. I'd hate a Kiss Me. Quite a lot, actually. Really? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I really didn't like it. What is happening with us? I don't know. Yeah. Well, we obviously differ when it cut. I feel like we meet at the intersection of Love Light and then we go different ways. You're probably yeah. a Banana Bongo Jongo fan. and <laughs> I'm more of a Where the pot, Pet Shop Boy. Keeping in mind, Kiss Me was the second single on Rootbox. Exactly. And did it chart it was- anywhere? <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, number 13 in Norway. Thank you very much. Oh, well. There you go. Well, the Scandinavians have a good good feel for pop music, so Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um something kinda ooh, I agree, not the best um Girls Aloud song, but a great great song, great little jingle nonetheless. So I'm gonna go with yep. that one. Actually we should do Cheryl Cole for an episode. Pop it on the list. I'll do it now. That's a great okay. idea. Good thing. We love Stay doing tuned. It. You might get a Cheryl episode soon. Actually, you oh, know I, who actually, had the best I accidentally wrote Cheryl Lloyd instead of Cheryl Cole. Oh, that's another <laughs> one we should do. And um, Nicola Roberts, who was part of, of Girls Aloud and that's writes like, yes. a lot of songs for Cheryl now. She had a great um, solo record that I don't even think is on Spotify anymore, but it was very good. And you would like it that. a lot, actually. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. 
I'll all right. Anyway, now this <laughs> we've just hijacked Robbie's podcast with Girls Aloud. Just various members of Girls Aloud whose albums you should listen to. No, that was a good analysis of the 20, 2006 uh, state of Britpop and where Robbie sits in the middle of it. What are the most redeeming parts of Rude Box? Says the run sheet. <laughs> I feel like we're all over the place today, appropriately, because this album Here's is me. all over the place. Here's me like attempting to get us back onto some sort of track, which I know well, it won't it's last. It's very long. difficult to talk about this album because everything we've done, like for example, last week we did Lord's Melodrama, um, yeah. nominated for Grammy Album of the Year. This was certainly not nominated for Grammy album of the year and um each album has some kind of cohesion to it even bionic christina which is by far her most experimental wild album had some kind of cohesion this album um trips all over the place so it's difficult to have a kind of one track mind when it comes to this but anyway we're going to keep trying i think the redeeming parts of this are definitely when he leans into that 80s electro pop um, future erring kind of sound I think where it stumbles I'm not a massive fan of the Mark Ronson work On this Even though yeah. I'm pretty sure he did Love Light But he does two songs in the middle Where I don't think it really works And I don't think the Bongo Jongo cover really works either um, Bongo Bong I don't think Lily, Alan and Robbie Really work together that well either And it's no. wild <laughs> to me that she ended up on this album Given that 2006 was her breakthrough year She had... All right, still this year, and smile like smile and LDM were massive records in the UK. So, to kind of put yourself onto an album that was as risky as that is certainly a choice. Um, so the redeeming parts, yeah, the Brit, the electro pop parts are the redeeming parts, and I kind of like as well the eighties and nineties. I was just about to say I think that. It's quite, quite. Um, I don't it's know. Cute. It's kind of the best. The best way anyone's ever summed up their career on, on an 100%. album, really. And just to split he, it into those two parts. He almost got sued for defamation about the 90s, talking about um, his the Take That Manager in a couple of lines. Really? Um, the manager, the manager nearly, uh, nearly took him to court, but he ended up swapping out some lyrics on the song um, wow. so that they didn't include particular details about the way the manager worked with the band. Um, so I think it's in the second verse that was originally meant to say a couple of extra things and uh, they were eventually omitted from the final copies of the album due to a defamation oh, wow. uh, lawsuit, which is just part of the chaos of this record and the chaos yeah. of Robbie in 2006. And it's cheeky I, and he was pre- like pressing buttons and that's at the point yeah. that it's the best when he's doing that both lyrically and sonically. He sort of, he really, he gets it all out and then he calms it down for the 80s and the 90s and talks about life. And I think it's the most vulnerable he's been pretty much in his whole career. And then, of course, he slaps a song called Dickhead on the end, which is just completely undoes all the great work that the 80s and the 90s does with calming the album down. It's so nice, 80s, 90s, and then summertime is this really kind of... um, one of the most like more gentle, <laughs> sentimental moments of the record. And then he's just like, boom, I'm not going to let you go. Like, <laughs> you are not putting me into any adult contemporary box by the time I finish this album. I know after a greatest hits, you're meant to settle down a little bit, but like, you're going to listen. <laughs> this is the. Don't kick the my dog, dickhead. Of- 
<laughs> Don't beep at me, dickhead. Why you mug me off in my car, dickhead? Why you disrespecting my bra, dickhead? There's a dickhead in your mouth, a dickhead on parade. Do not have kids. Don't want dickheads to be made, dickhead. Well, he Beautiful. certainly gets his point across, doesn't he? <laughs> He's nothing if not clear. <laughs> it's vulnerable that, in a different way. Imagine that was aimed at Gary Barlow, probably. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> oh, but that is part of the fun of it. But I, I agree with you on the 80s and the 90s, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I was hoping that wouldn't be omitted um, yeah, from yeah. the conversation. So that's, the what are songs. your redeeming characters yeah, of the album? Uh, Honestly, I feel like we, despite the fact we disagree on a few songs, like I think Kiss Me is one of the best electro-pop moments on it and a really lovely electro-pop song. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, I love the electro-pop. I love the 80s and the 90s when he calms it down a little bit. I yeah. think um, the songs, the Pet Shop Boys song about the Pet Shop Boys, I'm not too sure about, but there's something I like about it. It's just like a silly little bit of fun, which yeah. is part of the, the core of this record and making it fun. Um, but yeah, they're the redeeming parts for me. Do you think that it would work better now if he released Roadbox? Because if you think of the time, it's that time was very big for like retro throwback pop. Like you had Niles Barkley crazy and you had um, like the Amy Winehouse thing, the Lily Allen thing. Like Mark Ronson was very, very big producer at the time. It was all about throwbacks. Do you think it would be better now where there's kind of a more liberal view to what you can do within pop music? Or do you think it was more to do with Robbie as a personality? It's a really hard one. I still see elements of Rude Box era Robbie in what he's doing now. Even with his Christmas album, his 28 song Christmas album that he put out at the end of last year. Which includes a song like Bad Sharon which is about having an affair with someone in the office. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget he did his entire press junket for that on FaceTime in bed wearing a singlet, wearing a single white singlet. Why it was not? chaos. When you made Why an not? album like this, you've earned the right to. Exactly. Um, sorry, back on track. Like, yeah, I, I don't think you could put this album out in 2020 and have it make sense. I really don't. I think yeah. you'd be chastised for it. And I think there's definitely some on-the-nose moments in it that probably wouldn't get passed in 2020. But I, I, I think it still stands up looking back on it. And I think it sits as a really nice snapshot of the sort of absurdity of 2006. And there's an element of nostalgia in there as well. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely an element of, you know, we weren't stressed about, you know, the future of America and a deadly pandemic. Well, there was a couple of deadly pandemics. I think SARS was around then. But, um <laughs> And influenza type A and typhoid, but um, you know, like yeah, Still there were there was this tough. Yeah, imagine Roadbox in the year of coronavirus. Everyone would be like, "You've gone through this whole year, and this was your takeaway it's, from it's it." What you get. Okay, now back to base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think you could put this out in 2020. No, but I definitely think you look you know at that what, and you go, 2006. S- yep, makes sense. I think of the switch up, and I think at a point you get so big that you just continue to close doors of what you can actually do and you automatically have to pigeonhole yourself. And obviously he didn't do that 
on this. Yep. But if you think of what like Charlie XCX did when she released Vroom Vroom, which was basically just like hit hard reset on her career. Yep. And it works for her because she wasn't at the point of Robbie where she's just like so big that everybody just wants classic Robbie. There was no classic Charlie XCX. So yeah. I think had Robbie been a little bit smaller and not been at the greatest hits kind of portion of his career, maybe people would have actually been able to appreciate this record and be like, oh, here's someone doing really something quite inventive and experimental with pop. Yeah, I agree. That's really good thinking. Shall we play another game? Yeah, let's do it. I bring to you a game today called Rude Box or <laughs> Box. Boxed in with Fifi Box. I literally read it about two minutes ago and I had to stop myself from all out laughing. I'll explain Do you want to explain how... who Fifi Box yes. is for those who <laughs> don't know? <laughs> I'll give the context. Fifi Box is an Australian television presenter. Think of her as like, or, and radio presenter as well. Think of her like a Holly Willoughby type in the US. Um, you know, yeah. has been on Australian television, on breakfast television, breakfast radio for about 20 years. Does a breakfast radio show in Melbourne now. Um, but for about 10 years there, she had a Sunday afternoon one hour interview show called Boxed In with Fifi Box. And it was the most extremely bizarre plethora of guests from all walks of life that she would talk to for approximately an hour with about 13 songs interspersed in between these little one minute segments and basically what I want you to work out is whether these people were collaborators with Robbie Williams across his career or guests on Boxed In with Fifi Box okay so they can't be both I never said that so they could be both Correct. <laughs> Are you ready? Withholding the rules of the game from me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Are you ready? Do you feel confident with this? Play along so, at oh home. Oh, yeah, exceptionally confident. Play I'm, along at home. I know boxed in by, by memory. Was this a Robbie Williams collaborator or a guest on Boxed In with Fifi Box in the game Rude Box or Boxed In with Fifi Box? Okay. Kelly Rowland. <laughs> Kelly Rowland. <laughs> What do you think? Collaborator along the journey? Maybe a early 2010s album track collaboration? No, surely not. No, she, she was on a guest on Boxed In. In. She was a guest on Boxed In with Fifi yeah. Box. That's correct. Because Robbie, Robbie doesn't have a huge hold on America. In fact, I'm pretty sure most people here would not really know who he is. So... I imagine Kelly would have mm. given him the cold shoulder had she bumped into him, despite her earning a bit of coin off British singing competitions. <laughs> Which has been her bread and butter for the most recent years of her career. I, pre- I bring to you another Kelly in the game of Rude Box or Boxed In with Fifi Box. Was Kelly Clarkson oh. a Robbie Williams collaborator or a guest on Boxed In with Fifi Box? This is so hard I know (laughs) Look she uh, She strikes me as a bit of a Robbie character Very charismatic like Robbie Um, But also a bit of a Fifi Box character Considering she also has her own television show That she hosts and does interviews on yeah, but I imagine Fifi Box was not just getting people that were similar to her on Boxed 
<laughs> not just, but it was a weekly show for about 10 years. There's a lot of propensity to get big guests on the show. <laughs> Lord she or Lord was, Farquhar last week boxed in with Fifi Box. She, was a, she was a collaborator of Robbie's. Very good from you. You are correct. Oh, she was yes. a collaborator on the 2013 uh, Swings Both Ways album. Oh, of course his she was. Swing, swing collection. What did they do together? Called, the song was called Little Green Apples. Oh, okay. Yeah. No interest. Featuring references to Dr. Seuss and the city of Indianapolis. Well, it was an original. I think so. Uh, no, it wasn't. Bobby Russell wrote it first. Okay. There you go. All right. I could do without that. (laughs) Kelly Clarkson tweeted about it on November 18, 2013. She said, she said, (laughs) check out at Robbie Williams' new album, Swings Both Ways. Oh, queen of of promo. (laughs) We duet on the O.C. Smith song, Little Green Apples. (laughs) No, like, exclamation marks or emojis, just full stops. And then a link. Well, Kelly was probably quite big in 2013. I can't imagine she was over the moon about this <laughs> covering uh, little green apples. Very happy. Stoked to be there. Anyway, uh, we've got a few more to get through. We've got four more to get through. <laughs> Rude Box of Boxing with Fifi Box. Zara Larson collaborated with Robbie hey. Williams or a guest on Boxed In? Uh, um, collaborated with Robbie Williams. She would have been too early for Fifi, yeah. No. Uh, she was what? a guest on Boxed In with Fifi Box in 2017 towards the end of its tenure. Oh, wow. And as far as I can for... tell, it's never worked with Robbie. Oh, I would have thought that they would have been like put together at some weird like charity event and oh, had yeah. to sing something stupid together or something. <laughs> Donna Hay, the chef. Boxed In with what, Fifi Box. Is this a Box musical collaboration or, or are you trying to Williams. trick me? Donna Hay, the chef. Okay, well, Donna's not jumping on to sing rock DJ with Robbie, hardly, is she? You never know. They could have... I reckon you're trying to trick me, and I think they've appeared on something together, like a a television program. Program. (laughs) Program. (laughs) Well... You got to come up with an answer. Box in with Fifi I, that Box. That was my answer. Rude Box. What was it? I said that. I said I think they've collaborated. I, yeah. Interesting. Guest on Box in with Fifi Box. <laughs> however, what? however, I will give you. I'll give you half a point because they both featured in the Sunday Times newspaper together at the end of 2019. There was a 10-page spread of Robbie Williams at home with Robbie Williams and a guy... Why was Donna there? Donna Hay was in there for her glazed Christmas hams. She was at Robbie Williams' home with a glazed Christmas ham. No, they were just in the same newspaper on the same day. (laughs) Hardly a collaboration, is it? More of a turn of fate. A dual appearance. I'll refer to that as. So I'll give you half a point. Next one. So according to that logic, Trump and Biden are collaborating. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Kylie Minogue. Robbie collaborator. Oh. oh. 
Yeah. Or boxing with Kids. Box or both. Bo- she was on both. Correct. What? She was on both. She was boxing with Fifi Box in 2016 and collaborated oh, on Kids. They would have had a yarn lives. about um, Kiss Me Once previous oh. Flop Stars record. Absolutely. Go check it out. It's a great episode. Also, I found the Kylie wine for anyone who was following the story arc. I found I'm it. So I haven't, excited. I'm going to buy it today. So I'll post something on Twitter. You can when find, I do find it, it in Gosford, small rural town small on the rural east coast town. of Australia. I have to go but to you an IGA. You cannot find it in New York, World no. City. <laughs> the city that never sleeps, but it does the sleep city. on Kylie's rose. <laughs> Finally, in bo- Rude Box or Boxed In with Fifi Box, Adam Lambert, the Queen I feel lead like that singer. last Robbie album that had all those awful songs on it, like the heavy, what was it? Like the heavy entertainment show or something. Yep. I feel like that was yeah. quite Queen-esque. Mm. And Adam is a... But Adam was also an X-Factor judge in Australia for a bit. So that could have led him into um, Fifi Box's stu- studio. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm, blah, 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 blah. He, he, was a, he was both. No. Just oh. boxed in with Fifi Box. Okay, that's disappointing. I felt like I was doing quite well. Game is done. You did all right. You did all right. You faltered a little bit at Donna Hay, but you did all right across the game. Let us know how you went on Twitter. Tweet at Sam underscore interns if you did better than Sam. Um, Robbie was asked to be the Queen frontman, by the way. Was he? Yeah. And he turned it down. doesn't have the voice for it, but good... Charisma for it. <laughs> he turned it down because of his low self-esteem. He didn't think. He God, could do you the just job. know that those two fucking queen people would have searched high and low to find a straight front front man. Oh, absolutely, Shannon. Oh Noel, my God, they would have it. been. They would have been thundering on Meatloaf's door. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um. Cool. Well, that's the game. Where do we go from here? <laughs> Well, there's probably some... Uh, you know what we do need to talk about? The aftermath of Rude Box. Oh, yes. I feel like that's an important thing because um, obviously Robbie drops this record. Yep. It does worse than any of his previous albums. Yep. Might we say, though, the album before this didn't do amazing either. Robbie no. had always kind of clocked number one singles, but that album hadn't done so well. So he kind of needed Rude Box to do well for him, and it didn't. And... I think it was a real kind of um, doorstop in his career. Yeah, that yeah that works. Yeah, yeah, sounds right. Let's yeah. go with that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it kind of kind of stopped him from being the superstar that he was, and he hasn't really ever gone back to the point that he was before this album. Although he t- he has had a few hits here and there, but nothing as huge as like "Let Me Entertain You" or "Rock DJ" or angels or take your pick he's got heaps mm. um i don't necessarily think it's because of this album but this album definitely did not help what do you think it definitely set him on the path to be less relevant as a musician as an artist however yeah. i don't think his household name status has ever gone and i don't think there's ever been a question in households about like, what's Robbie Williams up to? Haven't heard from Robbie Williams in a while. Like, I feel like he's always just been there in the pop zeitgeist I could probably somewhere. ask you that question. 
right now. <laughs> Maybe it's just because people don't care where he is or what he's up to anymore. You know what something I forgot about when I was going back and mm-hmm. looking at like post rude box Robbie because there's before rude box and after rude box when talking about the career of Robbie. Um, yeah. I forgot about that song that was like, um, hey, ho, there you go. Which did quite well for him. That was a good song, actually. Um, yeah, and then he started putting out like Party Like a Russian and and Bad Sharon and a Christmas album now. And he's just sort of going through the motions. There's he nothing had a brand new. horrible song that was like, um, I love my life. <gasps> that was an amazing song. Amazing? No. Amazing in like, it was amazing that someone actually managed to see the light oh, of day. Because okay. it's was... funny because that sounds like, well, then he re- he rejoined Take That as well, didn't he? Did he? I'm pretty sure he rejoined Take That for an album. Hang on. Doing a quick Google. Research. Very quick there was on just the so... keyboard. Here's methods. the problem. There was so much to take in about t- the 2006 era that you, the, all this stuff has fallen apart. Yeah, he rejoined in 2010. You're right. And they did yeah. Eight Nights at Wembley. Yeah. Because he came back after Rubox. There was a three-year gap. Oh, f- yeah, three-year gap between that and the next album, which he launched with Bodies, which did okay for him, but still nothing profound. I just think he was at the point... It's, it's it's really hard to keep releasing hit records once you're over once you're in your mid thirties. Like yep. that's just the hard fact of pop music. Yeah, it is. So I I think he did well and released it. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of exit the charts, why not do it on a record like this? Exactly, exit at the top. Really, just put it all out there of exactly who you are and who you want to be perceived as when you're at the very top of your career because then you can redefine yourself as the cheeky boy in anyone's book and you're not going to be this serious... You know, maybe there's a perception that he would have become boring and stale if he kept putting out the stuff that he was putting out in the early noughties. Maybe, because it's not that hard to gather a few good songwriters and write a good ballad, you know? No, and he's certainly capable of it. If he really wanted it. Absolutely he could have. And now... You know, he's obviously been taken over by folks like Capaldi and, you know, other crooners of of that ilk. Um, so he doesn't really need well, to Capaldi's a bit of a cheeky boy as well. A bit he of a do che- a rude box. I reckon he could definitely do a rude box. I reckon Capaldi's yeah. got a rude box in him. Yeah. You know Ed Sheeran I'm would give anything that. to be a rapper, so he could probably do a rude box. You're so well. right. We heard it on Galway, That's a good Girl. article, actually. I'm going to write that. 12 that, artists who could make rude box. Music Junkie should run it. <laughs> That's right here. That's a pitch. That's a pitch. Pitch. <laughs> 12. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, um, let's do, Mike. How yeah, long have we been talking for? It feels like we've over been an hour. for about three and a half hours. <laughs> That's why. That's hard. Yeah, we almost have. Wow. Yay. Well, I hope you're all still with us. Because um, we're about to launch into a game called opening the rude box of facts oh so what i'm going to do is i'm going to give you a fact from this period about robbie williams and you have to tell me whether it's true or false okay i think i can do that that's quite clear okay i I wouldn't say it's as well thought out game as rude box or boxed in with fifi box but it'll do well 
This is making up for the week. You didn't even bloody come with a game. Oh, so we're holding on to through We're holding those. on to that. <laughs> holding on to grudges. This is a good game, and I've got some really good facts in here that okay, are going to spark some insightful I'm sorry conversation. For disparaging so, your great game. <laughs> yeah, you will be sorry. <laughs> okay. We've gotten along so well the last few weeks, and now I you've know. just been like my our friendship. I'm sorry. To Let's you. start again. Let's start again as friends <laughs> from now. Truce. Okay. Okay. In 2017, Robbie Williams turned to his wife before they went to sleep and said, "I stand by Rude Box, you know." <laughs> I really hope that's true. I just don't know how we'd find that out. Do you hope or do you know? I know he said that. I'm manifesting it. Yes. So you're going true. That's true. That is true. It's is, correct. Is that true? <laughs> I stand by Rootbox, you know. Imagine like 11 years after the album, you've just got it running through your head at night and you're like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to let it be said that I stand by this album. <laughs> Waking up at 3am, needing a, a sip of water and going, should I have done bongo bong? <laughs> should I have done bongo bong? <laughs> this will be me next week when I wake up at 3am and go, well, you know what? I stand by my 12 <laughs> artists who could make rude books article. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Yes. Robbie Williams regrets releasing Rude Box as the lead single. Ooh. Williams, no regrets. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Google Home has joined the conversation. Our new co-host of the podcast, Google Home. <laughs> Is that right? I hope the mic picks that picked that up because that was amazing. Anyway. Um. Google seems to think he has no regrets, but do you think he I, regrets it? I think he possibly does. I think he possibly wanted to go in a little bit softer, leaning into the Rootbox album. So, yeah, I'm going to say that's true. That's correct. It's true. He regrets it. And then for the exact reason, there you go, is the A&R and you jumping out. You wouldn't have got the sack. Very smart. Very, very smart. Okay. The next one is, mm. as a promotional tool, Robbie sent press rude boxes with sex toys and condoms in them. Oh, uh, yep. Definitely true. Absolutely. That is done false. That. I made that up. Oh, see, that's the marketing manager in you. You would have been I fantastic know. I have around the, the either. <laughs> Can you imagine Madonna receiving that? That would have gone straight on her Instagram or Exactly. Four or whatever Maybe that Foursquare. <laughs> maybe that's why someone, maybe that's why one of the two executives that were fired for the album's development got the sack because they didn't send out great promotional tools like root maybe. boxes. Root See boxes. all the missed opportunities. And they would have sent. Right, out, then- they should have sent out a box with the rude stuff in it, and then an empty box, and then move the stuff from the rude box to another box. <laughs> Well, Robbie would have done that. He was probably still working out himself that you had to move the rude to the other box. 
Very hard concept to grasp. The next one is most deaf, the rapper, wanted to rap over Love Light. Whoa. Produced by Mark Ronson. So I feel like Mark Ronson would have had most deaf around at the time. Maybe showed him it. I'm working on this thing for Robbie Williams. It's my Mark Ronson impression. Um, I reckon that's true. That is true. Wow. And you're completely right in your um, method of thinking as well. He said that he told Mark Ronson that and thought that Love Light was an incredible record. And according to Mark Ronson, a lot of people thought Love Light was an incredible record. They were right. So we're not alone. Good. Okay, two more to go. Rude Box is actually Robbie Williams' highest selling single in the US. No way. I'm going to go, no, false. There's no way that's the case. That is false. There's no way that's the case. But it's probably <laughs> not far off because nothing sold very well in the US. So True. probably all around the zero mark. Did Angels or Let Me Entertain You go well? Maybe US? Angels did well, but I know Jessica Simpson covered it. So I would really? think that she covered it because not many people knew it in the US and she could get away yeah, with it. That would make sense. Yeah. Wow. Okay, the final one is... On Sunrise, before a Robbie Williams promotional appearance for the record, Koshi shook his butt, a.k.a. did the rude box. <laughs> so, for context, Koshi is the, uh, the everyone in Australia's dad who hosts a morning television show over yeah. here. I am going to say that's definitely something Koshi would have done. I'm going to say true for that. That's false. I made it up. Oh, it was so possible. It was so plausible. <laughs> so I'll plausible. I'll shake my root. Can you look at my shaking of my root box? Tell me if I'm doing it right. <laughs> Would have been a great moment. Is this how you do it, Samantha? Is this how you do oh, it, no, Samantha? Samantha wouldn't have been around. It would have been Mel would Doyle. Have been, um, Mel, yeah. Yeah, it was the OG Ooh. crew. It would have been Grant Denyer, Mel Doyle, um, Barrett's. As per usual, we're descending at about the three-hour mark. <laughs> what else do you want to say about Rude Box? What's your What's your favorite? Your favorite's Love Light. Favorite's Love Light. I think Light. Love Light. Love Light should have been the first single. I think. Who else did Love Light? Love Light was a song by Jesse J as well, wasn't it? Um. No, that was that wasn't Love Light. That was some some light. A kind of light. Flashlight. Flashlight. Yeah. Yeah, my flashlight. Um, yeah, Love Light's good. Okay, I'll try and make something succinct about the album to uh, to end proceedings. Um, I think the only sad thing to me, and I think the only anomaly this album has around the Flop Stars albums, some of the more bizarre Flop Stars albums we've done in the past that are weirder, uh, for example, the yeah. Gwen Stefani album, things like that, is that... Robbie never really then came back through with another strong, all-hits, mainstream record. He never no, quite he got didn't. back to where he was before, and I think he had the propensity to do that. I think he had the opportunity to be a bit weird for a couple of years, do a couple of tracks, do a couple of tours with Take That Again, and rekindle that nostalgia, and then come back with a really, really great album of like six or seven top ten singles in the UK, Really yeah. reinvent himself as well, an early 40s 
artist. He was actually quite cut by this. He said that he retired secretly. Wow. Um, after this record for a few years, because I think he obviously, I mean, when you think of all the covers that goes in that went into this, he's obviously just a massive fan of music, and he obviously believed in this yeah. project he was making, and then it cut him quite deep because obviously when somebody's doing very well and then they don't do as well, generally, particularly in the Australian and British press, you want to cut them down as far as you can cut them down. Yeah. And he got cut down quite a lot from this. He's obviously rebounded since. He's he's a cocky asshole he's always been now in the nicest way possible. Yeah. Um but he does say now that Roadbox he thinks is his best album, although it's also the album that he would cut the most tracks off, which I think nails it. I think get rid of seven songs off this and you've got a really really tight album. What do you get rid of, though? Because I feel like every song oh, on this... I could, <laughs> I could give you a good, a good list. It's hard good to find... Good Doctor can go. The no, do, Good can Doctor go. can stay. Good Doctor's great. Bongo Bongo just... and Je ne t'aime plus can go. Nah. You, that, Viva you... Life on Mars can go. Yeah, that can go. <laughs> there are There's... some normals I don't remember, so that can go, too. Yeah, that can go. Any of those you don't got remember. got an EP left now. Good Doctor was good. <laughs> good about doctor... three songs in a remix. <laughs> Good Doctor was just him listing prescription pills that he wanted. Well, for the an, definition for, for of good is... Well, I'm going to listen to Good Good Doctor. Okay. Oh, no, I like Good Doctor. It's good. <laughs> That's a Mark Ronson one. I just don't think it suits the vibe of the album. It's not on that electropop tilt, is it? It's more of a... No, and either is the second song on the album, Viva no. Life on Mars, which is a very strange way to go from Rootbox. Yeah. You'll also notice if you look at how long all the songs are, very few dip below the four-minute mark, which yeah. is, is an issue. So you wouldn't just cut tracks, you would cut things from the tracks, I suppose. You'd slice it down. He should have got Bad Baby to edit the album because she just put out in a minute 57-second <laughs> song, so just... Go in, say what you want to say, and then get the fuck out of there. I was hoping somehow that Do It Like This, Do It Like That, Do It Like This, Do It Like That by Bad Baby would come up. Yeah. Song of the year. And Give it, it a Grammy. Immediately. <laughs> Song of the year. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Another outrageous claim from you. Do It Like This. Nick's, Nick's Songs of the Year up for the Project U Award. Good Doctor by Robbie Williams. And, and Do It Like That by Bad do Baby. Do It Like That by Bad Baby. Bad Sharon <laughs> and Bad Sh- <laughs> and Donna Hay also up for an award. Oh, dear. All right, let's put this album to bed. Let's We're gonna go back. We're gonna do something. I feel like we need to do something profound next week. To yep. Really get people back on board. But thank you for um letting us indulge a little bit in Robbie Williams. And to all our US listeners, I'm glad we've introduced you to a new artist that you can go home and listen to. Yeah, go good. Home. You probably are already home. Don't, need to go home. <laughs> Don't leave the house, please. Yeah, you've got a good young upstart to listen to that could do big things in this industry. And I'd like he to could say, be big. I think he could have another really great album in him in the next five years. Gonna put it out there. All right. There's I'm no other Robbie it, Williams. But I'll be happy for you if it happens. <laughs> I think he could have a really good tour. Yeah. I agree. Actually, it's probably more likely right now that he'd release a good album than he'd have a good tour again, <laughs> given the state of the world right now. Exactly. 
Uh, jump on the um, on the flop stars. Um, oh god, I can't even speak. Rate and review all that shit. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please review us. It'd be really lovely. Um, if you leave a review, we'll read it out on the podcast. Let's check if we've had any uh, new ones. Uh, no. Just waste time every week. <laughs> and follow on We're gonna Spotify. Cut that segment. <laughs> We're going to stop asking you to do it because you obviously don't. You don't. It's just care. embarrassing now. We know you listen. We see the stats. We can see you listening. Exactly. Very we track you. <laughs> We've got your cookies. We got your no, we don't all actually. of your That's cookies. That's illegal to do. No, we don't have your cookies. Say we're doing it. We don't w- have your cookies. I wouldn't even know how to get someone's cookies. So I can teach you after this. You <laughs> <know. laughs> Bye.